Hello and welcome to another episode of the One in Sports Matters podcast. My name is Gianna Bo Castro. I'm your host, and I would just like to say, let's get this ad read out of the way, shall we? And we'll get right into the podcast. Hey everyone, it's Gianna Bo Castro from the One in Sports Matters podcast, and today I'm going to be discussing the sponsor of this show, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another beautiful episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, Lindsay Fry. So, Lindsay, can you just tell everyone about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, Well, thanks for having me. I uh, have been very fortunate to have a long career in uh, in sports, and it's still going now in my professional world. Um, I grew up actually playing ice hockey in the desert of Arizona, which is a little unique. Um, We didn't have a lot of girls growing up here that were playing hockey, so um, I played with the boys primarily. Um, but when I got to high school and wanted to get recruited to go play in college, um, I knew I needed to go find a different option to be able to do that and to get recruited. So uh, I actually went with another friend from here in Arizona. We would fly back and forth to Colorado. Uh, we played for a team there while we were in high school, which was a ton of fun. Um, she got recruited to go play at Vermont, and I got recruited to go play Division One at Harvard, which was an incredible experience, um, taught me a ton, uh, humbled me as both a hockey player, a student, and a person. Um, so that was a really amazing experience. And while I was there, uh, I was playing for Coach Katie Stone at Harvard, who ended up being the Olympic coach in 2014, um, and was fortunate enough to, to work really hard and make that roster and play on the Olympic team in 2014 for Team USA. So um, that was a really fun journey. We unfortunately didn't come home with the gold. We came home with silver, um, but just an incredible experience that really helped create a platform for me back here in Arizona. Um, I was the first hockey player, male or female, from the state of Arizona to play in the Olympics. So I was really proud of that. And when I came back home, um, I knew I wanted to make a difference in hockey. Didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. Uh, I started with running youth camps um, just in Arizona and Colorado, and I thought, like, all right, that'll be it. And then I started realizing there are a ton of places similar to Arizona where there are little girls playing hockey, but nobody's coming and giving them any attention. So I started up my hockey camp business and just went to all these non-traditional markets. I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, Georgia, Florida, Um, Montana, Oregon, like places where people don't really think of girls and women's hockey or hockey in general. And that has been an amazing experience, super fun. Um, From there, I started working for the Arizona Coyotes here 
um, in my home state, and uh, I run all of our girls' hockey programming for the entire state, which has been amazing. And we're just continuing to try to grow and figure out how we can not only grow on the state level, but also just throughout the Western U.S. Because the reality is that as these girls get older, their options to play against other girls in their home states become more and more limited. Um, So we have to really be able to grow the entire Western U.S. for girls hockey for these girls to have places to play without having to get on a plane and fly four hours across the country. So um, that's kind of been my journey. It's been a ton of fun, and I'm excited to see what the future holds. That is all really, really cool. Oh, my God, you just said a lot. So that is incredible. <laughs> that is, I am speechless, honestly. Um, I, I know a few um, girls. Actually, my cousin, she used to play hockey. Her brother plays hockey. Um, she quit. Because, you know, there's really nothing. And this is even in Chicago, like, here, where you right. think so much hockey stuff is going on with the Blackhawks and the Wolves. There's not much women's hockey. And that's the problem, honestly. Um, it's, yeah. I think between, like, the women's pro sports leagues, that's the one, the NWHL and women's hockey does not get enough attention. Um, yeah. And I, what you said about, um, you know, Western United States, how, you know, hockey isn't very prevalent. All of the NWHL teams are, like, on the East Coast. Yeah. Is that, do you think um, that they could possibly add a team, or do you think there's no market for there and they would add a team somewhere else if they were to expand? It's a really good question. So, you know, I'm a hockey player, but I'm also a businesswoman as well. So I can appreciate um, some of the challenges and the barriers that they face. And I've been involved in a lot of conversations, not only related to the NWHL, but also to the PWHPA, which is the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. It's a mouthful. Um, It's kind of a fragmented situation right now in women's hockey. You've got the NWHL, Um, that's primarily out of New England. And then they also have a team now in Toronto and a team in Minnesota. Um, And then you've got, you know, a bunch of the high-level Olympic players, national team players who are kind of protesting that league and are in, uh, have joined the PWHPA. And the, the difference with the PWHPA is they travel all over the country. Um, so we actually brought them down to Arizona last March Uh, which was an incredible experience to have them all here. We had a ton of Olympians, and for our girls to be able to see that was amazing because we don't have that kind of access um, typically. So, you know, there's pros and cons to both. I think the reason everything is pretty centralized in Minnesota and in New England is because that's where those programs started. So you see a lot higher girls' hockey numbers in those states and in those areas because – those kids are able to go down the street and watch a college hockey game, a women's college hockey game. That isn't something that I ever had. I didn't even know what women's college hockey was. I didn't even know what the Olympics were until I was probably 10 years old. So I think that's a big difference is people just, if you can't see it, it's hard to believe that you can ever become it. So I think that's why you see a lot of things kind of 
centralized in those areas is because that's where the fan market is because those are the girls who have grown up seeing college hockey in their backyard and want to continue to play the sport because they understand that there's a path for them. So I think um, to answer your question, I mean, I would love for it to come out West. I don't think we have the market yet, especially having run an event where we had some of the highest level players in the entire world right here in our, in our backyard. And um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to create something that's sustainable, but I think, That's why it's so important. All the women's sports have to work together. We have to continuously promote each other. We have to continuously um, fight, I think, against the stigma that women's sports are less than and they're not as exciting as the men version of their sport. Um, I think we're starting to see, obviously, a lot of acceleration with what soccer's doing and the attention that they've been able to get, not just on a national scale, but on a global scale. So... I think, you know, hockey is, is definitely further behind. I remember um, I was, took, like, a Southwest flight to L.A. maybe two years ago, and I'm, like, waiting in line to get on the plane, and I see these women around me that are, like, super tall. And I'm like, huh, you know, you see one, okay, like, super tall. See two, you're kind of like, oh, now they're super tall. You see, like, 15 of them, and you're like, what is going on? And it was the entire, like, WNBA team out of Arizona the Mercury getting ready to get on a southwest commercial flight with me and it was really like the you know the NWHL hadn't been around that long at that point and you just kind of look at it and you're like wow the WNBA has been around for what like 15 20 years and they're still flying commercial like we have a long way to go in women's hockey so I'm optimistic um I think we have to be patient I I think we have to be careful not to just expect the moon right out of the gate um you know we have to obviously fight for what we deserve but i think there's also like you know a reality of dollars and cents where if we don't have the fan base yet to fill buildings and and actually you know buy a 50 60 ticket to come watch us um it's going to be really challenging so it's a very long-winded answer to your question but um you know i'm i'm hopeful we'll get there i don't know if it's going to be in the next three years, five years, 10 years, but we'll get there eventually. Very long answer, but very good answer to my question. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, That's crazy that you ran into the team at the airport. I think that would be really cool, but also it's really awful at the same time. Um, Yeah, it was, it was interesting. And you see them like itching to get on the plane first because they're so tall. So like, they all want to sit in the exit row to make sure they actually can like stretch their legs out and just things you don't really think about. And, and it's, I will say just one more thing to add to that. Like I've flown on the coyotes team plane before and to see the contrast between like, even what I got as an Olympic athlete compared to what these professional players get on the men's side, it is so remarkably different that it kind of, it just like, it does like part of it just kind of makes you mad to see like, wow, if, I mean, I'd probably still be playing if this is how I was treated. Um, not to say that I was treated poorly by any means, but it's just until we get more fans of women's sports, until we get more people, like I said, wanting to buy tickets and and support, um, it's going to be very hard for us to catch up. Okay. Thank you. 
Um, so you mentioned that you work with the Coyotes. Can you tell me how that came to be um, your job at the moment? What all started yeah, so that? It was, yeah, so it was a, a progression for sure. I um, When I was first starting to kind of, I guess, embark on my Olympic journey, um, I was a junior in college. I had made a couple senior national teams, um, gotten invited to a couple camps, and it wasn't solidified yet that I had, like, made the team. Um, I was just sort of on my way, and, and so they had me come out to a game. Um, I helped, you know, run, like, a, a girls' clinic. I helped do some street hockey clinics. And then when I actually made the team, um, I started doing more stuff with them when I could. I mean, I was trying to do it all when I was coming home for uh from college on breaks or over the summer so it was really pretty minimal at first um but after I graduated and I came home we are our director of amateur hockey for the uh Coyotes his name's Matt he had this idea of well why don't we start like a girls learn to play program and you run it and you know we'll put your name on it and everything and so in 2017 we started up a program called small fries which I still run today um, they are super cute. It's for girls ages, like, usually it's ages six through 10. Um, we have a couple kids who are older or younger, uh, and it's really just a place where it's an all female environment. We have all female coaches and these girls come out, they get comfortable. They have, um, it's just different socially than being out there with the boys. And we've been finding that a lot more girls stay in the program, um, by doing that. So that was kind of how I got my start. And I was only part-time when I was running that program. Then our uh, CEO at the time said, well, hey, we want to bring you on to do more. And it actually worked out well because I was about to turn 26. So I was going to get kicked off of my parents' insurance. So I needed a full-time gig. And uh, he's like, let's bring you on as kind of a female ambassador, like an, an advisor to the club. Um, to kind of have a female voice for some of the decisions that we make. And so I was actually um, one of the first, if not the first, female ambassador for an NHL team. Um, there are now, I think, six or seven of us throughout the NHL. So it's kind of cool that, you know, that started in Arizona. Um, but, yeah, so I started out full-time in that role, and it's kind of evolved over time now. I do a little bit more in the marketing department. I, like I said, I oversee now this all girls program called the Arizona Kachinas that we started about a year and a half ago. And um, I have no idea what it's going to evolve into in the future, but I'm excited. And uh, I still also run my, my business in the summer doing camps and clinics. So I'm actually going to Vegas tomorrow to run something. So I'm excited about that. That's really cool. Wow. So do these ambassadors, do you guys like have meetings like every once in a while to talk about stuff or is it just you, you go with the flow with what your team talks about? That's a really good question. So we, um, I also sit on this thing that got started about a year ago called, um, maybe a year and a half ago, called the Female Hockey Advisory Committee that the NHL started. So I'm one of, I think, about 12 or 13 women that sit on that. Um, we have a couple of men on there as well. And we sort of report up to the NHL and the NHL Players Association 
And our job is really just to advise the league on girls hockey initiative, women's hockey initiatives, things like that. And we sort of just um, come together every couple months with either on the phone or in person and, and discuss anything and everything that's relevant to women's hockey and the NHL. Through that is kind of how we started like pushing out to the other clubs. Hey, you know, Lindsay Fry's a female ambassador down in Arizona. This is an option for you guys to start doing as well. And everybody, every club that has one, it's a little different. Some of them are full-time. Most of them are part-time. Um, we were actually just in March or April, um, we were just about to start kind of having those calls where we all were going to start mingling and, um, discussing things and, and kind of being, becoming more of a unit. And then, you know, everything with COVID happened and teams started laying off employees. So we decided to kind of put that on pause, but the intention is absolutely um, to make sure that we are kind of working together as a united front, sharing ideas. Um, what we're really proud of the fact that, you know, in Chicago, for example, um, they sent the Blackhawks sent down people from their hockey development team to Arizona to watch how we run small fries so that they could learn and go back and replicate it with Kendall coin, which is like an amazing honor for us to know that you know a team that's much more established than we are with celebrity talent in Kendall that goes far beyond mine um that they wanted to learn from us and we're seeing the same thing um the Carolina Hurricanes are doing a similar thing down there um so yeah it's it's exciting to see and I think um I think my favorite part of it is all the creative names that everybody comes up with because like ours is small fries uh they did golden coins for the one in chicago for candle coin and then the one for carolina is the hurricanes so it's it's like a competition i think we've all got going for the best branding <laughs> it's really good names not gonna lie those yeah. really good <laughs> yeah i like the i like the hurricanes that one really got me do you have um an interesting story from one of your camps about like some girl that was scared to play or like had questions about the game or was like brand new something interesting that happened at one of your camps yeah oh gosh I've had plenty of interesting things that have happened (laughs) but I think one of the things that we're super proud of is when we get a really shy girl to come out for day one of small fries who really isn't sure if she wants to be there who's very nervous who doesn't have any confidence who like wants to just like hold on to mom and dad the whole time um when we get that girl and we're able to see her transform over the matter of a few months um into just like this social confident little butterfly like that's the coolest part of what we do. I think, especially with small fries for my camps um, that I do, you know, just for Lindsay Fry hockey, most of those kids have already been playing. So they're all pretty comfortable, but small fries, especially like to be able to see the confidence and the friendships and the memories and, you know, the mentorship that we're giving these girls and actually see it come to life. Like there was this one girl last year who like literally was like holding on to a coach's leg the entire practice the first couple times out 
her like lower lip was just like quivering the whole time because she was just like so scared to be out there and then to see her be like the popular girl that everybody wants to be in a group with by the end of it was just amazing so that that's my favorite part I think about it the entire small fries program and anybody in youth sports I think can really appreciate that because they get to see it too and it it definitely reminds you on the stressful days why we do what we do it's really cool I remember when um like I've played a lot of sports growing up I I went through so many because I just could not find my one fit I used to go to these camps um play on these teams I used to play baseball too just want to reiterate that but um that was not a fun experience but like when I saw another girl that was playing like that helped me out too because it's Mm -hmm. it's really hard um especially when no one talks to you on the team or when the other boys on the team laugh at you and there's like that other girl that's playing with you or even another girl on a team on another team hearing stories like that truly melts my heart but um it just makes me (laughs) it makes me think about all the stuff that I did when I was little I mean I'm only 18 I still feel like I'm really old but um yeah makes me feel like uh remembering all that stuff that happened and then my other cousins that have gone through the same stuff too yeah yeah. for sure um so you mentioned the olympics that is really cool first of all i watch the olympics every time they're on even the weirdest sports like i watch um water polo (laughs) i watch gymnastics i do watch hockey when it's on um curling that is a very interesting one but I want to hear about um what first of all what is the behind the scenes of the Olympics like you you go the very first day and the very last day like stuff like that Whew, yeah um I mean we were there for a full month in in Russia so it um for us it was a little different than you know what some of my teammates experienced when they were in um, like Salt Lake City or when they were in Vancouver, you know, more of the like really established cities. That experience from what I'm told, like you had your Olympic Village, but then you had to go get on a bus and then you would have to drive 30, 40 minutes to get to the rink. And it was just like more of a chaotic process. For us, they built the entire Olympic Village. Everything was built from the ground up. Um, it was the most expensive Olympics ever. Um, it it truly, I mean, like, there were questions of whether or not anything was going to be finished before we got there. Um, it all was. the A lot of the hotels weren't built, so most of our parents actually stayed on a cruise ship that was docked there because they knew that the cruise ship would, like, actually be there. So my experience and my parents and family's experience is like so different and hilarious um but yeah it was uh we had great accommodations we um had these little dorms everything was like right there so the olympic village was we had like the dining hall you had a little recreational area where you know they had books they had video games they had ping pong tables like if you just wanted to go hang out relax um, but what was really nice for us is we we literally could walk. Um, we had bikes we could rent, too. But we could walk to the rink. 
So, like, we never had to, like, get on a on a bus to go to our games. We just walked over to the rink, which was really, I mean, I don't think I fully, because I didn't play in some of the earlier ones, I don't think I had a full appreciation for how convenient that was. Um, but that was awesome. I didn't get to, unfortunately, go really to any other events. Um, I got sick right after our final game, so I was kind of down for the count for the remaining days we were there because I really didn't want to fly back on, like, a 13-hour trip um, feeling awful. So I laid low for a couple days. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I think, I think for me some of the big moments that really stick out is just going out on the ice for the first time. Um, even just for practice and like seeing the Olympic rings for the first time and going like, holy cow, how did this little girl from the desert make it here? Like, what am I doing here type of thing? Um, having my family there was incredible. They were awesome. I had a lot of people there. I had my parents, my brother, um, my grandparents, my parents' best friends, my best friend came like it was a whole crew. So um, that was that was really cool to have everybody there, and I think easily my favorite part because without their love and support, my whole childhood I never would have been there. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think the part that everybody like thinks is the coolest is um, you know interacting with other athletes, and it was it was it was definitely cool like to be in the dining hall and to see like some of these big names like there was one day because Lolo Jones was there bobsledding even though she's a track star so like we were hanging out with her one day um we were in a different village than a lot of the skiers and uh the snowboarders and things like that so we didn't really see them but like all the NHL guys were there um we got to interact with like the figure skaters a lot because they were on kind of a similar schedule as us we interacted with the curlers for sure, although it's funny because, you know, they don't they don't look necessarily like the fittest of Olympians. <laughs> so there was one time when I was like talking to one of them and I thought he was like a team doctor or something. And I find out he was the captain of the curling team. And I was like, Whoops. nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think. The big thing is when you're there, like you're there to get a job done. And what's different with hockey than other sports is like some people are there to race two races and like they're done. Um, whether they're speed skaters or whether they're skiers, whatever. So like some people are there for three days and then they fly home because ours is a tournament. Like we're there the entire time and it's pretty much like all business all the time. So we, um, I, I think I don't know. I mean, we were kind of boring. We were <laughs> we laid low for the most part, but um, but yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. It it was definitely interesting though. Like it, the, they had like just finished everything. Like you could still smell the glue. There were like screws in the street, <laughs> but they got it done. So you didn't play ping pong with any rivals or anything like that. Is that a thing? Not really, um, not a whole lot. We uh, we wanted nothing to do with our rivals while we were there. <laughs> oh my god, it's hard because you know our rival is Canada, and that's who we ended up losing to. And um, you just you get to know all those women. A lot of us played in college with them or against them. Um, you play multiple tournaments against them, and it's always kind of 
in some scenarios, like, everybody will hang out with each other after. But, like, it's very weird when, you know, when we play Japan, like, we know nobody on that team. But to be in the dining hall before a game against Canada and you know everybody and you're just like, I hate all of you in this moment. And, like, it's – you just, like, I don't know, you go to a different headspace where it's like we're about to go to war and, I don't know, any, like, friendships you have are out the window leading into it. And it's just uh, a very, very tight rivalry. Canada and U.S. may be one of the best rivalries in the world, um, especially <laughs> with hockey and soccer. Yeah. Um, basketball, not really. It's not that not prevalent. So I don't think it's that prevalent. There could be people to argue with me about it, but I don't really think so because I think the U.S. is better than Canada in basketball, but that's a whole other topic for another day. Um <laughs> That is interesting to hear about the Olympics because, you know, I'm a regular person. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm watching it. I have to sit through commercials. Um, it's really boring. And the announcers are dry sometimes. That's that's the other thing. <laughs> you don't have to deal with that. You're just there. You hear smack talk, probably. I have to hear the announcers. <laughs> yeah, true. Although, hopefully you enjoyed ours because she uh, she's a former Olympian. Some of them are really good. Like, figure skating, I'm not going to talk about that, but um, I don't like the announcer. They think they're weird, but that's just my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I want, okay, so you know how um, with soccer starting up recently, they have crowd noise? Do you watch any soccer by chance? Yeah. Okay, so they have crowd noise. I, I watch, like, yeah, I watch, um... The Premier League, I'm a big Chelsea fan, um, so hearing the crowd noise is a little weird for me. Do you think that um, other teams, like, I know hockey is starting up. I don't know when. The, do you know, by chance? Uh, it'll be August. August. Do you think they're going to use crowd noise? I don't actually know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to do. It's It's interesting because, like, hockey is... I really know how to describe it like it, I would say it's probably one of the quieter sports when the guys are actually playing so I don't I mean normally there's like a foghorn when someone scores so I don't know if they're really gonna need crowd noise or not but we'll see I mean it's I think it's really funny because I know um with soccer they take it from FIFA um the video game <laughs> which um, yeah. I play all the time, so I'm used to it. I just, I think it's so hilarious. Um, I haven't been watching a lot of NWSL action. I don't know what their crowd noise sounds like, um, but just wanted to ask that question about crowd noise. I don't watch a lot of hockey, so um, again, not the one to ask about hockey, but this is why this is happening. <laughs> there you go. Um, did you play any other sports growing up, or was it just hockey? Uh, it was primarily just hockey, and I regret that. I wish I had done other sports for a couple reasons. One, I think mentally, I mean, I just played hockey all the time, and I think mentally it would have been good for me to take breaks and, like, do other things and allow myself to really miss hockey because by the time 
I was done. Um, I mean, one, I had an injury, which I'll get to in a second, but two, like I was just mentally so burnt out that I was ready for a break. Um, I was ready to kind of like step away from it. So that would have been good. And then two, I mean, hockey skating is a very weird motion. That's not natural for our bodies. So you see a lot of hip injuries and I ended up tearing my hip, um, my senior year of college. So after the Olympics and I think if I had played other sports, it probably would have done um, good things for my body. So I wish I would have done other things, and I definitely encourage kids to. Um, it's always kind of a, a challenge because I run summer camps, but I, like, encourage kids not to go too hard in the summer. So um, my camps are definitely not designed to crush kids. They're to, you know, I go in, I teach them skills, and it's more like, hey, I'm, I'm going off the assumption that you've taken a break this summer, so, like, let's get back into it type of thing. So if you could play another sport, what would it be? Oh, see, here's the hard part. Hockey is so fast and so physical that I struggle. Uh, that was always the hard thing for me as a kid. It's just like other sports just felt very slow. Um, however, in my adult life, I've... Um, one camp that I do in Portland, we play soccer, indoor, indoor soccer, actually. Um, I find that to be a ton of fun because it is fast and you're in more of a condensed space. I'm not good at all. Um, I think I would have been a decent softball player. Um, tennis, not really my jam. I'm definitely a team sports girl. I never really was into basketball growing up, but uh, again, when I was in Oregon, we play a lot of sports there. I uh, I played um, basketball one night with all of them and actually had a lot of fun. So I think it was just like I had such a one-track mind when I was a kid that it was like I'm a hockey player and that's it. Like it was so deeply a part of my identity um, that I think like now I'm an adult. I'm kind of like breaking down some of those assumptions. Um so, I don't know. Ask me in six months what my <laughs> sport of choice would be. <laughs> I When you bring up the point about um, only sticking like to one sport, I know so many people, um, especially during like my freshman year of high school, who were just stuck to like volleyball or something like that. And it's like they quit the next year and they have nothing to do. They never took a yeah. break like club volleyball club soccer like all of that gone to waste because they're done and then they don't try anything so I think it's important yeah. to switch it up or if you're going to stick with something do something else like I knew a bunch of people on when I played basketball they were on a club soccer team but they also did basketball like they took a break and then they played soccer for um the high school but yeah right right Yep. I, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Try different things, figure out what you love, figure out what you don't. Great advice. <laughs> I think my sister should listen to that, but, uh, <laughs> she's, a, she's, uh, four years younger than me. Um, I know she can probably hear me right now cause I'm very loud, but, um, she, she, although she did follow what, um, I did, we played some similar sports growing up. But she's kind of stuck to one thing, and it's like, mm, 
maybe do something else. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, um, another thing I want to ask is, do you, since you know you work for the Coyotes, do you get special tickets? Do your family get to come in and uh, see some games, you know, special privileges for working for the team? So, I go to games whenever I want. Um, Usually, I'm working at them in some capacity, whether that's interacting with potential clients or sponsors or season ticket members. Um, Sometimes I go on the broadcast. Like, I have a lot of random roles. Um, But then my family, we, we basically are able to, like, buy season tickets for, like, less than $5 a game. So I, uh, I will usually hook my parents up, but, um, depending, it depends on which team you work for, for us, we, for games, we don't sell out. We can usually, uh, get free tickets to give to people, but on sellout days, we, we don't get uh, free tickets. So you gotta, you gotta buy them, but they're super inexpensive for employees, which is nice. That's that's really cool. Um, I used to, I guess, intern for a minor league baseball team here, uh, Kane County Cougars affiliate, Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they never offered me anything, but I did get, uh, I got discounts on some merch. <laughs> so I had, I had that. Yeah. Um, Gotta so, lay up for the perks. I know. I mean, I did design a few flyers for them, and I was working on their team um, website and all, but I guess that's not enough, you know? (laughs) Um, But speaking of, like, interning and working your way up, I, for school, I'm going to school for sports management. I'm going to do community college first. Then I'm going to pick some wonderful university um, either on the East Coast or maybe stay in the Midwest, but do you have any advice for people like me that are trying to, especially like women, trying to um, work on the management side of sports, like what they can do and how to get involved, stuff like that? Yeah, yep. Um, I think the biggest thing is get your foot in the door in whatever way you can, um, at whatever level you can. So the fact that you interned is great. there are going to be times where you're just volunteering and trying to do whatever you can to build your network. I think sports in particular, because they are such highly sought after jobs. Um, the more people, you know, that you've shown that you can do good work and that you're a good person and you're, you know, good to be around and and work with, um, the better off you're going to be because those are going to be the people when, their friend down in Tampa, Florida has an opening with the Rays can call you and be like, Hey, I, you know, my friend down there, they've got an opening in graphic design or they've got an opening in management or whatever it is. Um, that's, what's going to help you get through the door. I think, I think that can be as simple as like, we have some full-time employees with our team who started as just like part-time guys going out to schools and helping out with youth hockey programming. So I think just however you can get in, um, I think never look at yourself as being too good for even the smallest jobs. Um, And, you know, eventually that's going to build up your resume, build up your network, and that's what's going to help you get a position. And I think 
it's also important like so many people are just so set on like well like I want to work in the major leagues or I want to work for the NHL or NBA whatever sometimes your personality may be a better fit for a minor league club like there are there's a lot more flexibility if you're more of a creative type in minor league sports um you can just be a little more goofy you can do some more unique things when you get up to the pro level there's you have to kind of like work within the restrictions of the league and kind of what the expectations are and that's not for everybody some people love working in the minors and they do really well there so um try a little bit of everything intern wherever you can volunteer wherever you can and if it's something you really want to do and you're passionate about and you have the skills for it and the personality for it, then um, that's going to go a long way. I think, you know, you don't have to just look for opportunities with actual sports teams. You can volunteer at a YMCA and build up your resume. You can volunteer with a youth club organization um, in sports. I think there's just a lot of different ways that you can build up your skill set and add it to your resume. And that's going to, that's going to be really helpful. So Work a lot for free, be willing to grind, and uh, hopefully it'll eventually open doors for you. Thank you for um, your advice on that. I will listen to that. Um, I've had uh, supervisors tell me, you know, I can do something for you already, and I was only there for, like, five months. It's it's crazy how, like, it took from i started there in september and then you know coronavirus um ended it it was through my high school um that it's kind of like a program within the state of illinois where you can do an internship it's part of your class or credit um yeah so i was the first person from my school to to intern with the cougars so it was uh really cool to do that and to see what um, an actual front office was like kind of changed my perspective totally on that. Yep. But yeah. It's awesome. Is there anything that you would like to promote to the podcast? We are very small, but we are growing. Um, I will also put links to stuff in descriptions, also on Twitter or whatever. But what do you want to promote? I think my favorite thing I'm doing right now is actually an online adult program. <laughs> Um, I'm actually running it tonight. I do it twice a week. Um, it's live lessons, online uh, videos, things like that. But it's super fun. And I have adults from literally all over the country um, that log on. And the main idea behind it is it's an opportunity for adults who have always wanted to learn how to play, but maybe don't have access to ice time or maybe don't feel super comfortable just like getting on the ice and trying to learn. So it allows them to work on skills and learn things off the ice first in the comfort of their home and also in the safety of their home right now um, that they can then translate on the ice. So uh, it's like, it's a subscription, $20 a month, super inexpensive. And it's, it's a really fun time. We go every Tuesday night and Saturday morning. That, that is very cool. Um, you gotta have to send me the link for that so I can uh, tell sure. all seven subscribers. I don't even know how many subscribers I have um, about it. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention? I don't think so. I think that's it for me. All right. So, okay. 
turn my phone back around towards me. This was a very wonderful um, interview, my very first interview, actually, for this podcast. I just want to thank Lindsay Fry again for coming on. Uh, it was a very amazing first interview. Um, I learned so much today, so just wanted to say thank you for that. So much oh. knowledge. <laughs> so much knowledge in my brain now about women's hockey, the Olympics, and um, a new thing that I've heard of, some adult hockey lessons, I guess. Um, get you signed up. Yeah. Guys, you got to get signed up. So this is the Women's Sports Matters podcast. I'm your host, Gianna Castro. Please wash your hands, wear a mask, and social distance. Thank you for listening to this episode, and that's all, folks.